That is not a typographical error printed in your bulletin. We are reading today from the book of Leviticus. <laughs> I love the third book of the Bible, Leviticus. What we're talking about in this current sermon series about going back to the old school, we're giving ourselves four key foundational pieces that we've inherited from our Jewish brothers and sisters that if we allow will help shape who we are for this house we are building for the kingdom of God. And so I invite you, as indicated in your order of worship there, you can find today's reading in your pew Bible or maybe a Bible you brought with you or on your smartphone or however you need to connect or listen for the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the whole community of the Israelites, You must be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. When you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field. Don't gather up every remaining bit of your harvest. Also, do not pick your vineyard clean or gather up all the grapes that have fallen there. Leave these items for the poor and the immigrant. I am the Lord your God. You must not steal, nor deceive, nor lie to each other. You must not swear falsely by my name, desecrating your God's name in doing so. I am the Lord. You must not oppress your neighbors or rob them. Do not withhold a hired laborer's pay overnight. You must not insult a deaf person or put some obstacle in front of a blind person that would cause them to trip. Instead, fear your God, I am the Lord. You must not act unjustly in a legal case. Do not show favoritism to the poor or deference to the great. You must judge your fellow Israelites fairly. Do not go around slandering your own people. Do not stand by while your neighbor's blood is shed. I am the Lord. You must not hate your fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your fellow Israelite strongly, so you don't become responsible for his sin. You must not take revenge, nor hold a grudge against any of your people. Instead, you must love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Sometime in the early 2000s, the Reverend Billy Graham had finished a tour along the eastern coast of Florida and was taking a limousine ride to the airport. Billy Graham had never driven a limousine, so he asked the chauffeur if he could drive for a while. Well, what do you say to Billy Graham? No. So he obliged, and he got in the back of the limo, and Billy Graham, he got behind the wheel, he turned on to I-95, and he accelerated before he knew it to about 95 miles an hour, and boom, blue light in his rearview mirror. The state highway patrolman pulled him over, pulled up to the window, and he said, just a moment, please. I need to go call this in, having realized it was Billy Graham behind the wheel. Well, a trooper radioed in to his supervisor and said, I have a really important person pull over, and I need to know what to do. The chief said, well, is it Ted Kennedy? <laughs> no. More important. Well, is it the governor? Is it Jeb Bush? No, it's even more important than that. Well, is it President Bush? No. Even more? Well, who is more important? 
than the President of the United States. I don't know. I think it must be Jesus because Billy Graham is a chauffeur. <laughs> hey, who, who is the holiest person you know? Or what is the holiest item that you know? Maybe it's Billy Graham. He has to be atop our list of, of holy men. Maybe it's Paul and Louise Duffy. Yes? They're about as holy a people as I have ever known. This, this past weekend, over the course of this weekend, as we celebrated Betty Norris's life, she ranks atop those who are holy and that which is sacred in this world. Our sanctuary is a holy place. Would you agree with that? We have a holy altar and holy icons and tremendous stained glass, and we have a holy history about how all of this came to be. But what makes people and things holy? We come in all ages and shapes and, and sizes. What makes people and things holy? I think it's God and God alone that determines holiness. I, I must have read this passage from Leviticus no less than 25 times this week, several times a day. Whenever I would catch just a break, I would find my phone or my Bible stayed open to it all week on my desk, and I would sneak away and I would read. Your preacher was reading Leviticus this week. And so early on in the week, one of you asked, asked me a very important question. What are you preaching on this week, preacher? I want to go ahead and, and get ahead of the curve a little bit. And I said, I'm preaching from Leviticus. To which he said, really? Why would you do that to us? <laughs> Reminds me of, of Rabbi Bloom, uh, who once told his congregation that uh, next week the sermon will be all about the sin of lying. And to help you understand the sin of lying better, what I want you to do is all, as a homework assignment, read Leviticus chapter 28 before next week. They all agreed. The following Sabbath, they came in at the start of his sermon. Rabbi Bloom asked all, how many of you read Leviticus 28? All hands went up. Some people even two hands. Well, since Leviticus only has 27 chapters, <laughs> we will now proceed with a sermon about lying. <laughs> no one reads Leviticus like we do Sports Illustrated or Toni Morrison. Leviticus gets a bad rap from time to time, and maybe because it covers so many do's and don'ts. Someone else asked me this week why I was preaching from Leviticus. I said, let not your heart be troubled. We're not talking about moldy walls or oozing pores or gashes or all that, that blood stuff. I would never do that right before lunch, right? But we are so quick. We're so quick to dismiss Leviticus as outdated for 2019. While in the same very next breath, we'll pick up parts of it and we'll do harm with it to our family and to our friends and to our neighbors. My hunch is, as you prepare to decide which Bible study you'd like to engage this fall, my hunch is that many of you, uh, oftentimes you make a commitment at the beginning of January. How many of you have said, I'm going to read the good book from cover to cover starting January 1? I've said that before. I still say that. I get to Leviticus and then skip to Proverbs. I mean, you're right. Nobody engages Leviticus. But here's the thing. 
let me remind you that the Bible discloses something in Leviticus that you don't find anywhere else. It's this phrase, be holy as the Lord is holy. Because holiness is from God and God alone. So why Leviticus? Why Leviticus today? It, the word Leviticus is often thought uh, to be those, those Levites, those priests who constructed the Bible, but actually the word uh, begins with three letters, L-E-V, the, the Lev, Leviticus, the Lev in Leviticus. It's a Hebrew title, and it means the Lord called forth. The passage I read in chapter 19, which is the beginning of the holiness, or part of the holiness code, says, the Lord called forth Moses. Now, here's another interesting tidbit. Moses' name means to draw out. And if you'll remember from Disciple 1 that Moses was drawn out as a baby from what river? The Nile, yes. And then he's called forth in his adult life to address the needs of an entire people. He's drawn out, and he's called forth. You and I are drawn out from the waters of our baptism, and then we are called forth to proclaim a message that our community needs to hear. So the Lord called Moses, and he basically gave him an order of worship. I love the theology of a bulletin. Did you know there was theology behind a bulletin? There are distinct markers all throughout this where you know if you're supposed to stand or if you're supposed to sit or if you're supposed to sing or if somebody else is doing the work or if we're all doing the work. The reason why I love the theology of a bulletin is because with all the chaos that happens in my life between Sundays... I need to step into something that's going to give me some order. And part of what worship does is it orders our lives. Part of what the Torah does, and certainly Leviticus does, is it puts a perimeter ethic around our lives so that we will bump into that which is holy, but we don't drive off the cliff like a set of guardrails, right? Or think about it this way. I want to tell you about something we did that was really special a couple of weeks ago. You might have looked for us on a Thursday around the time of 10 to 1.30 or 2 o'clock, but you didn't find any staff here. You know why? We went bowling. Yeah, some of y'all saw that. We went bowling as a staff, and we had a blast. Now, the other thing that I need you to know is that one of our staff members needs to be on the pro bowling circuit on Sunday afternoons. I won't tell you her name, but her initials are Lillian Gilly. She is my administrative assistant, and she has so many mad skills. Bowling is one of them. Well, we're, we had a blast, and we're giving high fives, and there's so much joy and, and happiness and encouragement from these six lanes, and we're, we're just having a great time. And I stepped back. I stepped back and stepped up because I just wanted to see kind of a panoramic shot of our staff doing something awesome like that. And I started thinking about um, these little bumper things, you know, that go in the gutters. Some of our, Lillian is the best bowler I've ever seen, all right? Others on our staff, they practice radical hospitality because they keep the gutters clean with their balls, you know? They just keep, keep things going, keep things moving. Me being one of those. But I'm sitting back here thinking, 
And I'm thinking about these, these gutter bumpers and how you can bowl a ball and it'll bounce this way and it'll bounce this way and, and it'll bounce this way, but ultimately it's going in the right direction and will hit its target. That's how I think about holiness. That's how I think about what God's Word does in my life, the totality of God's Word, and why Bible study is so important. Because when I get close to to things that are holy or close to things that are unholy, I've got some guardrails that that keep me in bounds and keep me in place. Not only me as as an individual, but me as a part of this overall, overall community. Listen, stay with me. The Torah, it's comprised of five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Thank you. You all pass. In the middle of the Torah is Leviticus. In the middle of Leviticus is the Holiness Code from which we read today. In the middle of the Holiness Code are five of the most important words that we need to help shape our lives. Be holy and love your neighbor. Be holy and love your neighbor. Last week, and we, we sang it at, for practice early, and we're going to sing it at the end, we talked about the Shema, the word Shema from Deuteronomy. The word Shema means to listen. Israel, the word means those who wrestle with God. In other words, listen up, all of you who wrestle with God, you shall love. So last week we said one of the foundational blocks that we can lay for ourselves and give to future generations is to listen and to love, right? We need that message, gosh, now more than ever. We talked about the El Paso shooting and the Dayton shooting, and we were all insulated. We were all kind of buffered from the violence until Thursday morning it came to our own community, did it not? And I just wonder what it looks like if we had practiced listening to each other and then loving each other. Do you remember where you were when that story broke Thursday? You just sink thinking that that came to our own backyard. So today's building block is very similar. We listen and we love God. And then we are to be holy and love our neighbor. We're to let the world see that we're different, that we're set apart, that we're chosen for something bigger than ourselves, something that that is holy. And is it any wonder when asked about the greatest commandment that Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second one is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as what? As yourself. Yes. Listen in love. And then be holy and love. Because you cannot love God or say you love God and not love your neighbor. It doesn't work that way. To love God is to love neighbor. And to love your neighbor is to love God. And for the record, today's reading is one of the earliest versions of what we would call the, the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So Rabbi Hillel, he lived around the time of, of Jesus. And as the story goes, he was asked by uh, some of his contemporaries, what is the most important law? What is the most important commandment? Tell us that one important commandment while standing on one leg. Now, I can't verify the one leg thing, but that's what it says in the history books. And so while standing on, on one leg, Rabbi Hillel says this. He flips the golden rule. He says, whatever is hateful to you, do not do the same thing to your neighbor. You hear the difference? Do unto others as you'd have them. 
whatever is hateful to you, do not do that to your neighbor. And then he said, beyond that, everything else is just commentary. It's the most important thing we can do. And if that's true, which I believe it is, then to be holy as God is holy has everything to do with how we treat another human being in this world. So my question is, how are you neighboring? (laughs) Because that's the measure of our holiness, right? And neighbor is an interesting word here. It opens by saying, Moses, tell the people Israel all these things that I have commanded you. And we tend to think that that the holiness code is for the Israelites, right? The congregation, the body of, of believers. But later on in chapter, in verse 34, which I didn't read, the priests who wrote Leviticus include a very interesting piece, and that is how to treat the resident alien as well. And they say, in other words, however you treat a member of your own country and your own family, you should treat a resident alien and a stranger in the same way. And the Old Testament, it goes on and on ad nauseum about how to treat the alien and the widow and the orphan because they are your neighbors too. And I think Jesus took that wide approach. He was asked the same question that Rabbi Hillel was asked. What is the most important commandment? Of all the 613 laws in Torah, what's the most important one? Love God love people. It's that simple. We get that in the Good Samaritan. That was three weeks ago. This is where it comes from. This is the backstory. And so get in the ditch with your enemy, for your enemy, and in spite of your enemy, and start doing some redemptive work. That's what it means to begin scratching the surface of holiness. Because later in in Matthew's gospel, it's going to be the same rabbi Jesus who minces no words. You have heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who will persecute you. And later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is asked that commandment. How do you boil it down to just one? So he says, love God, love people. He smashes two together because he's more interested in the motivation behind all of the laws and boiling it down to just one. And that motivation is love. Love your neighbor, and you will love God. To be holy as God is holy means that we begin treating other people as God treats us. And when we start to drive off the cliff, we've got some bumpers to keep us from going in the gutter, right? The bar is set high. I I get it. Be holy as... The Lord your God is holy. Jesus Jesus sort of torts down on that wrench a little bit. He says this, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And that's all fine abstractly, philosophically, but you start putting some meat on those bones and showing us how to really love people, well, then God begins messing with every facet of our lives because to be holy at that point, it's not about robes and stoles or cartoon characters with little wings and cute little halos. It's about rolling up our sleeves and being a part of whatever God is doing in this world. Oh, there's a number of places where that's happening. There's some 
tremendous schools where that is happening. There's some tremendous feeding programs where that is happening. You all are part of any number of different agencies and organizations that you can stick a stake in the ground and say, this is holy work. And to love my neighbor in this way is to love God. Because Leviticus, as in the Gospels, gives us this challenge, it is one that is pertinent to what we would call social justice. I don't know if you heard it, but it said, don't take all the food out of the field. Leave enough food around the edges so that the poor may come and glean what's left over. The Society of St. Andrew, how many of you have been a part of the, the, the sweet potato drop? You've bagged up some of the sweet potatoes. It's a gleaning ministry, right? Somebody in Leviticus had the poor in mind. Practice fairly in business transactions within the community. Somebody in Leviticus had people who had been treated unfairly. They had them in mind. Settle disputes equitably and fairly. Don't be punitive or retaliatory. Somebody had others in mind. Pay workers promptly. You know why that's important? Because people got to eat, and they got to pay their rent too. You see, at every step of, of our lives, Holiness confronts us. We're bumping into it. We're smashing into it in the field, at home, at the supper table, doing uh, homework with children in our business, in the checkout lines, at the borders, with foreigners, in worship, on vacation, and even in the mundane, everyday ground. We're bumping in into what is holy. Be holy in all of these places because God is holy. Holiness is derived by loving God as God loves you. And love is really only love when it's put into action by listening and feeding and visiting and clothing and welcoming and advocating for another person. I don't know that there's a special formula for holiness. I think it's very simple. Holiness happens when we put others ahead of ourselves. I hope you hear a pattern for me. The first four weeks together, we talked about joy. And we laid that platform. That we are to be joy-filled people. Now, as we continue to build our lives together as a church family, in ministry with and for the, the community, we're going to pour some blocks of what it means to love each other and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So parents, as we think about this back-to-school or back-to-the-old-school series, I want you to put down a foundational block of holiness within your homes. So two final words. First, teach your children to listen. Teach them to listen to other people, maybe other people they don't even want to listen to. And then teach them to love. Teach them that it's okay to be different, that it's okay to be set apart. It's okay to be part of a story that's, that's bigger than them. It's okay to be holy as God is holy. And it's okay to draw that circle wide, make room for people. Because here's the thing, at the core of who we are, as the people of God, at the core of our faith, is one truth. When God shares God's holiness with us, it's basically because God is making room for us. And none of us deserve that. So be holy by making enough room for another person this week. Second, at the end of the day, it is far more important 
to be human than it is to be right. We don't need anybody else to say, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. We've got enough of that. That's not holiness. Be right at math and chemistry. Be right about history. Be right in traffic. Pretty please. Be right in practicing your piano. But with God and with people, just be available. With God and people, be listeners. With God and people, be different, set apart, marked, drawn forth and called out by seeing the unseen and hearing the voiceless and making space for all God's children and by being a part of a story bigger than any one of us that will change this world. Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy by finding ways to love the least and the last and the lost and the lonely. By this, people will know that we are set apart and that we belong to God. So take time to be holy. Amen.